Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, the 12th of September, 2020. And here we are kicking off the weekend, which it seems like for so many people in our world is kind of the goal of life. They're, as the quote goes, living for the weekend right? And then they want to get through the work week so they can get to the weekend where they can do whatever they want to do. And that is the end that they are thinking of. Well, as Christians who want to dig into God's word and understand it, there's a different end in mind. And that is what we're going to read about today at the end of Ecclesiastes. In the last two verses of the book, Solomon wraps it up so incredibly well. Ecclesiastes, we're reading chapters 9 through 12 today, but in chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, he simply says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And so we see there, it says the end of the matter, even the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. And we've defined fearing God repeatedly on this podcast as living like God is real, that he is actually the awesome and holy God that he says he is, and that he is watching. Uh, That is what we should do. Fear him and keep his commandments. That is our ultimate end. That is our ultimate duty. And that's a good reminder for how we should stick out for the world. And even you think about the whole idea of living for the weekend, man, that's Ecclesiastes. That's people reaching after all the vanity of the world, right? Trying to bottle up air, you know, this, this mist, this nothingness, and they're chasing it down. They're chasing the wind and and it's not going to work out. The, the world's way of seeking pleasure, it can never fulfill, but fear God and keep his commandments. That is the path to really understanding. And even as we've seen in this book, enjoying life. And this understanding of fearing God and keeping his commandments, it helps bring meaning to some other phrases in this book as well. Think of the end of chapter 11, verse 10, where it says, remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Now, there's a lot of ways people in the world might amen with that. Yes, remove vexation from your heart. And that's what they're trying to do right now on the weekend. They're trying to remove vexation from their heart by pursuing pleasure and just having fun or spending all of today watching college football and all of tomorrow watching the NFL and thinking, I'm just going to remove vexation and just do those things. Well, ultimately, that that's not going to work. Not that any of those things are bad, but but that's not going to work to remove the worries of life. What will work? Fearing God and keeping his commandments. Because we'll realize when that is the end, when that is the duty, when someday I'm going to stand before God, he is going to bring everything into judgment. Then I'm going to realize a lot of the things that I get vexed or worried about are not worth worrying about. And that's how we can really remove vexation from our hearts, 
by realizing so many of the things that I get stressed and upset about are a waste of time. And I need to spend more time thinking about that end when I will stand before God. And that really fits so perfectly with Luke chapter 19 today as we look at verses 11 through 27 and the ter- the parable of the 10 minas where, where um, this this Lord goes, this nobleman goes into a far country to receive a kingdom. And it's a familiar story. He calls the servants and he gives one 10 minas and one five minas and, and another one, one mina. And he says, hey, you need to do business uh, with, with this. And he comes back and the one with 10 has made 10 more. The one with five has made five more. And the one with one went and buried it in the ground. And he only gives it back to the master. And we see that servant taken to task for wasting that mina, for, for wasting that money. A mina was a unit of, of money. So he was given them money and they were supposed to invest it and make more. But one did not do that. And, and he is rebuked for that. And that's when we have to remember, we are going to stand before God someday. And we are going to have to give account for what he has given us. And did we did we use what he gave us? like he told us to, or did we take it and did we bury it in the ground? And even as we think through that parable, there were a few things that stood out to me that, that I want to share just even as you look at the example of that, um, that wicked servant, the useless servant. One, it doesn't seem that he has a right view of the master. Um, you know, he thinks of his master as a severe man. And the master comes back and he doesn't necessarily agree with him. He just says, hey, if, if that's really what you think about me, then you were really stupid to put the mina in the ground and not do anything with it. And I want us to think, make sure we have a right view of God. If we think, you know, hey, we're going to stand before God as judge and he's just going to be this mean, severe person, then we don't understand God. Yes, he is holy, holier than we could imagine and more righteous and just than we realize. And I'm sure that will be a shock to the system when we experience that. But he is also good. He's forgiving. He's merciful. He's generous. And we need to have a right view of God, even as we as we live, even fear of God should not just mean, oh, I'm, I'm terrified of this cranky God up in up, up in heaven and I better make sure I don't step out of line or he's going to, you know, shoot a lightning bolt at me. That is not a biblical view of God. But understanding, yes, his holiness and all of his attributes will motivate us to want to do the right thing. Also, we see it's interesting in this parable that, that the king leaves and so many people say, hey, we don't want this man to reign over us. And then he talks about the servants. And at the end, he says, hey, bring the people that didn't want me to reign over them. And it even says, and slaughter them before me. Very serious there. It's also important that these servants didn't get swayed by the opinion of these people who didn't want this king. I think it could have been a temptation for these servants to say, hey, we're going to go with the crowd on this one. We're going to experience all kinds of pressure because we know who the nobleman is in this story, right? It's Jesus. And he has gone away to receive a kingdom and he is going to come back again. And we as Christians are the servants. But guess what? There are a lot of people saying we don't want this king to reign over us. And when Jesus comes back, there will be judgment on them. But right now we're feeling the pressure from that crowd. 
We need to think less and less of what the world thinks and more and more of what God thinks. And we need to put our focus on doing the work that he has given us to do. So as you take time this weekend, think, have you served God this week? Have you been faithful to uh, build up brothers and sisters in the body of Christ in your local church? Are you using your gifts to serve the church? Are you obeying Christ? These are good questions to ask ourselves this weekend as we think about the ultimate end. And some of those questions really get us into the book of Philemon, an interesting short book that if we look at the background of, it's really Paul is sending what appears to be a runaway slave back to his master. And we, it doesn't give us all of the details. It seems that Philemon was connected to the church at Colossae and that the letter of Philemon is a companion to the letter of Colossians. But it seems that Philemon was a, was a man there in the church in Colossae and Onesimus was a runaway slave who Paul is sending back to his master, Philemon. And some even think that maybe Onesimus as a runaway slave went to the booming metropolis of Rome, somehow encountered Paul and became a Christian as a possibility. I don't think we know that for sure, but now we see Paul sending him back. And again, I think this really understands Paul really presses Philemon to welcome Onesimus back and even says something that would have been shocking to the culture at the time. Don't just take him back as a slave or a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And as the Bible says, even two masters say, hey, masters, you need to be careful how you treat your bondservants because you also have a master in heaven. Remember the end. You will stand before God and give an account to him. And I think Philemon is a very interesting book because it, I just think it doesn't, it's, it's always countercultural no matter what way you slice it. There's a lot of people today that probably would be offended reading the book of Philemon saying, Paul, why didn't you tell Philemon to release the slave? And why, while you were at it, why didn't you, you know, pen a diatribe against the institution of slavery and call for the emancipation of all the slaves in the Roman Empire? And some people want to take every biblical truth and just turn it into a social mission. But at the same time, th- this would fly against the mindset prevailing at the time that masters could do whatever they wanted with their slaves. And he says, no, 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 because this guy, he's not just your slave. He is your brother. And we see in the New Testament, a new ethic arising. And we know from church history that many slaves gave their lives to Christ and they were supposed to be welcomed into the church and treated equally with everyone else. We see the Bible, it it doesn't fit into kind of this modern liberal progressive agenda, but it doesn't fit into, you know, this old school Roman empire culture either. God is establishing his own system that's meant to work through the local church and will ultimately be realized when the end comes and Jesus Christ does come back. But until that day, we want to make sure we are fearing God and keeping his commandments. And so that gets us to our last passage of the day. So we continue in Psalm 106 verses 28 through 39. And really what we see today is a lot of record of the sin of the people of Israel. It says when they yoked themselves in verse 28, 
8 there to Baal of Peor. Um, that was a time of great sexual sin we see in the Old Testament. And then they angered God at the waters of Meribah. They complained and it went ill with Moses on their account for they made his spirit bitter. When he spoke rashly, this is when he struck the rock. And that is what the striking of the rock is how Moses is not allowed to enter the promised land. God says, you did not honor me as holy in the eyes of the people. And then it talks about how they did not completely obey by driving out all of the people. And they even got into idolatrous practices themselves. It's a reminder of the sin, even of a great man like Moses that had serious consequences. The end of the matter is that we all should fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. This weekend, I encourage you to spend some time thinking about the end, the end of all things, when we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account to him. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.